The Coaches Coffee Club podcast is sponsored by Pitch. If you're a scout or coach looking to find or help players, then Pitch is the website for you. It's a startup, but the idea is to complement the scout's role in finding talent, especially in lower leagues. Pitch is likely to arrange trial days in the future, so a scout might be very interested to make a profile. For a coach, it's about the onward development and mental health of your release players, helping them find a team or club and providing a talent ID and development reference on pitch. So make a profile today at www.pitchrmt.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club podcast. Episode 10, we are into double figures. That's a good return rate for a midfielder, so very pleased with that. Um, first of all, before we introduce the guests, I hope everyone is staying safe and well. Um, it's becoming the normality now, but yeah, I hope everyone is, is safe and, uh, and following the guidelines. So, um, best wishes and, and hope everyone's doing doing the best they can to tackle this. So, <clears throat> uh, before we uh, we go on to today's uh, podcast, we had three guests, good friends of mine who I've had the pleasure of working with and knowing for, for a while. We had Matt Craddock, head of coaching at Preston North End, Chris Riley, goalkeeper coach at West Bromwich Albion, and Mike Scott, head of coaching at Derby County. We spoke around their journeys, um, how they got to where they are now, the different roles that helped in their uh, development, uh, advice for coaches, what coaches could do to try and pursue a game a career in the game so really really insightful podcast that could have gone on for hours um so yeah make sure you what you do please share this um go and give us a, a like on on the itunes a review would be excellent five star review even better um anything that you have any comments to help make the the podcast even better please do share them we, we much appreciate it so here comes the the next episode um you're going to enjoy it i know you are so here it is i am here with three uh what i would class as friends as well as people i look up to in 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 the game so really really excited to have a chat to these guys this morning around their current roles, their journey into where they are now and hopefully provide some advice or insights on how anyone wanting to follow in such footsteps can do so. So um, I'll let the guys introduce themselves first. If we go, Mike, Chris, Matt, a brief introduction and, and what your current role is. Okay, um, Mike Scott, um, my job is uh, Head of Coaching um, at Derby County Football Club, my current role at present time. Hi, I'm uh, Chris Riley. I'm goalkeeping coach for West Bromwich Albion, 9s to 16s and operations manager. Morning, I'm Matt Craddock. I'm head of coaching at Preston North End. Superb. Appreciate that, lads. So my, my first question then, um, Scotty, coming to you first. Um, how did you how did you get to where you are now with the head of coaching role? Um, what roles have you had in the build-up and, and how have you come to find yourself at Derby as the head of coaching? Um, well, really, it's, it's like 22 years ago. I've um, been coaching 22 years now. Um, started off as a community coach um, when, I was, when I was first starting out, working for various different organisations, Burnkite, EFA, and, and various different other after-school uh, sort of soccer camps and things like that that we used to do. Um, and then from there, the sort of journey sort of led to um, 
to working at like academy football at Burnley City uh, back in sort of 2000. Um, at the time, I was sort of training to be a PE teacher. So I was doing a sports science degree uh, and trained to become a, a sort of PE teacher. And uh, from there, I sort of moved on to then Warsaw Football Club, uh, which, which gave me an opportunity to work with sort of the 15s and 16s age groups, as well as the 18s um, during sort of half terms and school periods. Um, and then whilst I was doing sort of my A licence at that sort of particular time, I was um, sort of came across Mark Harrison, who, who was also working at the time at West Bromwich Albion. Um, and I, I was sort of, I was given an opportunity then to go and work full-time at West Bromwich Albion Football Club um, in various different roles because before then we didn't have the triple P. Um, you sort of almost had to do a kind of a mixture of different roles really. So my, my first initial role at West Brom was, um, was like a dual role of head of education welfare, head of sports science and there was little bits of sort of academy coaching that sort of fitted in with it really. So you, you, you're doing a various different sort of select roles um, and then from there I sort of worked my way up really to being given the opportunity uh, to be the lead youth development phase 12-16 manager which I sort of followed from uh, two previous really experienced coaches Jimmy Shannon Aaron Danks um, and then again progressed at, at, at sort of levels to, to sort of lead professional development phase coach um, under 18 manager and then an opportunity came to sort of move move across the derby to be the head of coaching, which I thought I'd, I'd sort of take in terms of gain more experience within within that particular role. So it's, it's been quite a long journey, really. Fantastic. Twenty two years, did you say? Yeah, twenty two years. Super. We'll um, we'll come back to. So I've got some. I've got loads of questions on that journey. But what about yourself, Chris? Was yours a similar route, or was it quite different to Scotty's? No, similar route. So it was at. Um, I was at Sheffield Allen University when I got a job part-time at Derby County in the community. So that was working in the schools, after-school clubs, PPA stuff, and then did their um, community development, goalkeeping stuff as well. And then whilst I was working there, I just got asked to go across to Burton Albion. So then I went to work for Burton Albion part-time in their academy. Did goalkeepers from nines to 18s, and then, but also did their... Um, development stuff as well on top of that because obviously it was just part-time and then from there so six years ago applied for a job at West Brom um, got told no originally on the Saturday but then on the Monday morning it was oh, do you want to come in for an interview um, and then on the, on the Saturday I was offered the job so then spent six years six years there so far working mainly nine to 16s uh, but I've done two six-month stints in the 18s and 23s, obviously when staff have moved on or at first team level. I worked under Mark Naylor, which was fantastic experience and great, great to work with, really good to work with. Um, and now with Barbas Myhill, who's coming as 18s and 23s. Um, yeah, and, and sort of still going, really enjoying it. Um, but it's sort of similar to Mike, the starting off with the community work and, and sort of building from part-time and moving clubs into into that full-time role. And, and how, how long has that sort of journey been, mate? From? Uh, 11 years. 2009 I started, I think. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, excellent. What, what about you, Crads? Similarities there? Yeah, very similar, mate. Um, you could pretty much say the same story and just swap out uh, job titles, really. Um, I, I finished uni and I worked in local authority, so doing all the stuff that the lads just talked about there, so doing PPA cover, breakfast clubs after school clubs evening evening work um, alongside that I started working part time in an academy and I did that probably for about five years 
um, before I got a role with the FA. So I was a coach educator at the FA um, there for probably four and a half years. And um, again, just saw, saw the role really um, at the club. And, and my ambition was to sort of work full time in a professional club and I sort of worked towards that really. So while I was at the FA and at the local authority, I just, I was trying to work back from my end point. So where do I want to be and what sort of things do I need to, to have to enable me to get that? So just during that period of, of work, I was just trying to sort of increase my uh, skills, knowledge, network, etc., to try and make sure that when a role came up, I was in a good position to get it. So um, that was uh, four years ago I joined the club so I've been here for four years I started the roles um, it was a joint role so similar to um, what Scotty talked about before so um, I was a 12 to 16 lead and head of coaching and then the head of coaching fund came in with the ECPP so I did a year of doing two roles and then after a year it sort of um, separated and we managed to get another member of staff in and I just concentrated on the head of coaching role so very similar to the to the lads yeah. Superb. You you alluded to it there, Matt. I'll be interested to hear Chris and and Scotty's um, answer to this. But Matt, you spoke around there was a you had a role in mind that you're almost working towards over a number of years. Scotty was was the head of coaching role that you're in now something you'd always wanted? Was it a, a planned route, or is it something that you kind of as you've gone through your your sort of years of coaching, you you, you just found interesting and and want to have a go at, or was it something you were specifically working towards? Well, when I, when I first started out coaching, the, the, the first thing was to try and get a full-time position, really. Um, hence why it, it was kind of anything that came up, you you, you took. Um, and I suppose when, when I first started working full-time, my initial thought really would be, in terms of route, be academy manager, you know, because certainly before the EPPP, the academy manager's role was very, very different to what it is now so you'd be doing things where you'd be almost running the team but also managing the academy um so that that kind of appealed to me when i first started out um and, and probably the journey that i was sort of taking at that particular time like doing the academy manager's license and things like that it was um it was almost sort of geared towards that role um obviously when the triple p came in and they started sort of almost aligning roles to to suit um specific sort of specialist areas um, and they almost almost started going right. You're just going to have one head of coaching, one head of education, one this, uh, you know, lead phase coach at 12, 16 lead phase coach at professional development level. It was kind of a case of um, almost looking at it and going well. Probably the next the next role that I probably want to do once I've ha- had an opportunity to maybe go professional development phase um, would be the head of coaching role because it's probably the, the the closest thing to what the old academy manager role sort of looked like where you're managing coaches, developing coaches, but still get an opportunity to work with players um, and you still get out on the grass and, and sort of work across that. So at the time, it was probably my, my, my shift really probably changed about sort of three years ago, really, when the head of coaching role became a little bit more um, sort of apparent in terms of what that role was, was going to look like and, and the opportunities that that role would give, such as mentoring staff and, and still having the opportunity to support and work with players. Yeah, brilliant. What, what about yourself, Chris? I presume being a, a goalkeeping specialist, you you kind of had an idea early on, um, sort of the, the kind of area you wanted to work in. But was this a are you in a role now that you that you'd almost planned to be in, or did it did 
come up. Yeah, I think so. Back back to the start, it would have been, I did a sports development degree. So actually that was the route I was going to go down originally, was trying to go down for the the sports development path, councils, um, community work. But then when this opportunity came up, it was like, we'll we'll have a look at that. I'd already done my uh, level two goalkeeping and outfield at that point um, and was on my B licence. So it was sort of, we'll, we'll sort of go down that avenue and that sort of took off. Um, a little bit with Burton and sort of obviously with all the age groups there and then obviously when the opportunity then thought well, well let's try and go full time and the opportunity came up at um, at West Brom but we'll take that one and sort of 9 to 16 it's always suited I've sort of done quite well at it um, and then it was do I want to go a little bit further and having those two opportunities it wouldn't be no but at the same time I do enjoy the role I'm in now so it's sort of as things have progressed the, the ideas and the roles have sort of um, come up it's been I quite fancy that one we'll go down that route um, it wasn't from minute one I want to work at a specific age but it's sort of developed as opportunities and, and courses and meeting new people have come in and developing myself that I've thought actually that's probably I'll, I'll lead more towards that area so I think 9 to 16 is probably where I work best but wouldn't count out the, the older age groups as well yeah brilliant um, Matt one thing that all three of you guys have in common and myself included is the, the work in the community schemes and the soccer schools early on, how important do you feel is is that in terms of um, learning some of the trade and, and the skills you need that to, to go on or, or to put you in positions to make the next step? Because obviously all three of you in really, really high-regarded positions all started in a similar area. Yeah, I think I think it probably helps you across across uh, multiple areas firstly I think it it does give you a good ground and it gives you a nice perspective on things as well um, because it's it's such a varied role working in the community you do get opportunities to experience so many different things and I think I think that that is a benefit so if you imagine just being in one industry doing one particular job for you know 20 years you, you're just going to see the same thing over and over again and I think working in the community it does give you that opportunity to experience a lot of different things so you know my my role you know I was working with uh, nursery kids one second and then you know an hour later I was working in a college and then in the evening I was working in the community and doing work with you know homeless charities and you just get so many different things that I think from a personal development point of view it's, it's very good uh, more specifically to coaching I think I would say that a strength of mine is, is dealing with numbers and I think that comes from my work in the community because you know you know what it's like you, you go to a session thinking you're going to have 20 and you have two or you go to a session thinking you're going to have 20 and you have 60 and you have to be able to deal with those numbers whatever's thrown at you and that's that's no different now working in the academy when you think about injuries or, or players playing up an age group or first team players um first team taking some of you know i work with the pdp quite a lot you know and we love some of our players that go and work go and play with their first team um, impacts on your numbers and you've just got to deal with it and I, I think that that that's sort of my ability to do that has come from my work within the community because you just have to be able to think on your feet you've got to be able to deal with whatever's thrown at you and you've got to stay calm and problem solve and you know for me I think they're they're really important skills in, in whatever you do but they're really important in the field that we work in. Yeah, brilliant Scotty obviously your role is involves sort of recruiting um, potential coach, uh, new coaches I guess would would that be something on a CV that uh, that you'd look for if a, a coach has um, they're looking to come into an academy on a part-time basis maybe for their first time um, qualifications aside uh, uh, sort of the community school soccer camp type work is that 
valuable experience that you'd you'd like to see on a CV? Massive. I think it's massive because you know, in terms of the grounding that it gives you, and you know, the, a work ethic, and you know, certainly you have to be able to adapt. You know, in, in those particular roles. Um, you know, I think back to when when I first started off doing all the community stuff. You know, you'd be working all sorts of different hours, lots of variety. It gives you a real basic skill set of coaching. You know, you can turn up at one school and, and suddenly the numbers are different, and you have to sort of manage different types of characters, different types of you know children from different sort of backgrounds. Um, you know, it gives you that real sort of basic grounding of coaching. Really, I think that that can certainly help any any aspiring coach that wants to go into to work in the academy. You know, it certainly gives them that background, and I think it's really important. So it's certainly something I'd look for, you know, on, on any sort of uh, CV that, that comes in, really. No, I love that. And, and look, going through then your journeys, Scotty, staying with you for now, what, what were the, or were there any key experiences or roles which, which you think really helped you along your journey or your development over that 22 years? I know you've, you've had some, a real breadth of, roles there from head of education sports science and welfare to uh, PE teacher community is there any specific periods in that that you think were, were key in in helping you along your journey well certainly when, when I started off working at Birmingham City on Warsaw that gave me opportunities to really understand academy football and and sort of learn from experienced staff such as you know the likes of people like Brian Eastwick Stuart Hall at the time you know, Mick Horsall, you know, these are all the sort of leading specialists in their field at that particular time and still are sort of today, really, and, and held in real strong regard. Um, yeah, I'd probably say my first real opportunity of when I really started um, gaining some sort of real real learning was when I went to West Bromwich Albion. You know, the, it was like a university of coaching, really, in the 12 years that I spent there. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough during that time, you know, that, that, that's almost shaped and, and, and made me... a, a a far better sort of coach um, than I was probably 12 years ago is having the opportunity of, of seeing the likes of Jimmy Shan, you know, Aaron Danks, Michael Appleton, Keith Downing, people like that, and Ryan May, you know, all these different people that have, um, have certainly given given me the opportunity to learn from them, you know, and then and the staff that obviously worked alongside like Jamie Smith and, and um, you know, some of the other staff that have, have sort of been on the journey with me at, at the academy level um, that, you, that you take things from. So I think probably the, the 12 years at West Brom, really, you know, I, I remember the first time I walked in there, you know, to, to actually see a session and, and all these, these experienced staff at the time, you know, were working there. They were doing like a position specific session. I was absolutely blown away by it. And I thought I knew everything there was about coaching, you know, having, having had some sort of experience at that particular time at, at some of the other clubs and, and doing the community stuff. But then when I walked in and saw, some of these coaches who have been on the same journey as you know as us, but um, but they were a little bit more far advanced in terms of where they were on their journey. You know, I was, I was blown away by it really, and you know, I, I learned so, so much in the last sort of twelve years uh, from from a lot of those people within that environment that that were all striving to try and get where they wanted to go as well. So you almost like you almost kind of pushed and pulled each other along really to try and get better. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. What, what about yourself, Chris? Is there anything in your journey that has been a key experience for, for your development, do you think? It, I think it's quite similar to Mike's really. Obviously, we were at West Brom together for, for five years and that experience of there was a lot of sessions. There was few staff at the time. We only had two in the sort of youth development phase when I started, two in the foundation phase. You were always out coaching. You were always on the grass. You'd be doing 
uh, to be doing sort of like 12 to 15 goalkeeping sessions a week. So that development of you constantly out there, constantly practicing and constantly developing yourself with the, with the boys. And I think that's really pulls you along getting experience whilst in the jobs, obviously beneficial, but you know, even if it's on a voluntary basis, getting yourself out there and, and developing you as a person, but with the players as well, the more practical thing you can do, the better um, because it develops develops everyone and takes you on that journey. And West Brom did that for me. Obviously, Burton and I have been prior to that. Um, was four years there. It was a good four years. Obviously, developed me there. But I think the the West Brom time was probably my my highlight in terms of my my development. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to you in a second, Matt. Don't worry. But just on on that, Scotty and, and Chris, and you've um, a question I'd like to, I guess hear your opinion on is now that the EPPB is in and there's becoming more and more like you mentioned earlier Scotty specialists do you think the opportunity for individuals to to do those hard hours of spinning many plates and wearing many different hats is is maybe gone I know when I was fortunate to start at Northampton it was the very um, I, I can't fault the EPPB because it got me a job but there was still a very small um group of staff so we did multiple jobs and I think that helped me develop and both yourself Chris and Scotty have spoke there around doing many different things chipping in doing the hard hours trying getting things wrong do you think maybe that opportunity is lost now that there's there's specialists in in every area Uh, a a little bit I think um, in terms of like what Mike's done in terms of going from sort of different departments I think a lot of people would, would stay within coaching uh, but I still think there's the opportunity to work as a multidisciplinary department and gain understanding and knowledge of of other areas and then bring that into your coaching. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Mike, but... I don't know. I, I, I think there's certainly, like, people are a little bit more probably pigeonholed in terms of roles now than it probably was when we all first started out. I mean, I, I think that's some of the coaches that I mentioned there. You know, you had, I, I know you had Aaron Danks on previously and he was talking about how when he first started off he was doing a coaching and analysis role you know there's there's a lot of coaches like you know Jimmy would work in 12-16s but he'd also work 9s to sort of 11s across the program but also he'd be working with the 18s with Keith Downing so I think there's the triple P's almost sort of streamlined where coaches sort of obviously operate but I also think there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with coaches today almost having that opportunity if they want to go say if there were 12 to 16s uh, coach, you know, to go and work with the 18s, you know, and, and actually give up their time to sort of go and watch the coaches work or, or go and get themselves out there and, and, and have that learning experience. You know, that was one of the one things that I probably took um, from when I was I was working at West Brom was, you know, when, whenever there was an opportunity to go and watch, you know, even any coach, any age group, whether it was Michael Appleton or, you know, even Dan Ashworth or Mark Harrison working with, this, you know, certain age groups. I'd, I'd sort of finish doing my session or finish doing what I'm doing at that particular time. And I'd sit and sort of stay for two hours and, and, and watch and make notes and, and almost, you know, pick up loads of real golden nuggets for coaching. Um, you know, even, even for the likes of when you had some of the 18 staff, you know, and even at 23s and first team level, you know, when whenever you'd, you'd have an opportunity to go and watch, you know, Darren Moore or, or Tony Pulis or... Now, any of the coaches that, that we've had the opportunity of seeing over the last sort of you know, 10, 10, 12 years at the club, you know, if you, if you get yourself out there and watching things, you can learn so much from them. Um, so I think part of it really is for, for any any coaches now that are sort of, you know, almost pigeonholed within the sort of role that they're in, 
it's having that sort of want to go and learn from other people still whilst doing your job. So almost learning on the job as well still. Yeah, I like that. Did you think that's um, some in some respect more valuable than qualifications themselves? Oh, massively. I mean, we've all been there where, you know, when you're first starting off as a coach, you think, right, you get your level two, right, I've got to get my B licence, I've got to get my A licence. You know, the, it's, it's a, it was a, I remember at the time thinking it was a real big thing, you know, to, to get my A licence. And once I get my A licence, I'm, I'm an A licence coach. It's completely, it's completely the opposite, really. You know, what, what probably makes you an A-licensed coach or an experienced coach is by being out on the grass doing the hard yards and, and, and working with players and, and also getting that, that, that development opportunity and learning experience of seeing a, a player's journey as well, you know, and, and what works and what doesn't work. I think probably one of the one things that I, I took from, from my first sort of 10 years of coaching was, was making loads of mistakes and, and learning from from the mistakes but also being sort of able to coach an environment where you can make those mistakes um, certainly when, when you step up to academy level you know you, you've got more people sort of watching the sessions such as parents and things like that you know you, you, you almost have to be a little bit more on, on, on point with your sessions and, and things like that but I certainly think you know in terms of the um, the experiences I think the experiences really are what make you as a coach and I don't think it's the qualifications. I think they're just a, they're just a, a sort of stepping stone, really, to, to gain another learning experience and to almost network and meet people, really. That's what I've took from it. Yeah, I love that. Brilliant. Matt, coming back to you, go on then. You, your route's been a little different with this sort of education, uh, sorry, like coach educating um, aspect, but um, what, what's been a really key um, moment in your route or... Uh, an experience which has helped shape your journey. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm sat here listening. I, I forgot I was actually taking part. I'm just sat listening, <laughs> listening along. To be honest, it, it's been great. But like, I'm. Uh, I agree completely when you talk about. I remember I, I used to put such a big emphasis on on the qualifications. So I think when I was when I was younger, I was just like, right, I, I, the A license was this golden ticket, you know, that you just strive for and strive for, and and then when you get it, you realize that it's, that isn't everything. Like it doesn't that piece of, once as soon as that piece of paper came, it didn't mean any, I wasn't any different to before the piece of paper came. It's, it's the experience. Listen, it is important, but it's the experiences that you, that you, um, you collect that, that actually make you the coach rather than the piece of paper. So I, I really agree with, with what the lads have been talking about. And for me, what thinking about, I, I think of two big moments really, or, or, or periods that I think I've, I've learned the most. And, they're probably not a piece of paper. It's an experience. So when I joined the FA, you know, the, the amount of people and uh, resources and, and detail that you are exposed to is, is unbelievable. So the, the opportunity for learning was massive. Uh, similar to what you mentioned before about West Brom, you know, you go in and, and you see experts in, in their field and you get to speak with them and, and talk with them and watch them work and ask questions of them and you, you just get to, to learn loads. So that, that for me was, the FA to me is a real learning environment and, and they they value learning and they want their staff to learn and they create an environment for for you to, to learn. And I think I, I learned loads during my time there and, and you know I think that was a, a real moment of, sort of improvement self-development and then I think the second part is so obviously not coming from a, 
a playing background, I knew that my sort of area or, or area to develop was was understanding of the game. So I spent quite a lot of, of time going away and, and researching and learning and trying to make sure that I knew the game inside out. And I remember sitting, we had a CPD event with our first team manager, probably about a month after he came in, maybe maybe a little bit longer. But And... Um, I sat in that meeting and the level of detail he went into was just phenomenal. And it just, it just made me think I need to, I need to learn even more, you know? And I think, I think that was, that was great for me because I sat there probably feeling a little, I went into it feeling a little bit comfortable thinking, I oh, so, you know, I know, I know all this stuff and, you know, and I sat in there and, and listened to the detail that he went into and it, it just sort of blew me away a little bit. It wasn't stuff that, you know, I was completely confused by, but it just, it just, gave me a pinch really and a, a, an opportunity to sort of step up and, and learn more and it probably inspired me to do more and, and go into greater detail of, of the game and the practice and, and all the coaching stuff so um, those are probably the two two periods for me one working at the FA you know amazing opportunities to learn and and then getting in and around first team staff and, and listening and seeing the sort of level of detail that they go into and you know, it sort of inspires you to kick on again. Yeah, I like that. Quick question for all three of you. We'll stick with you for, for beginning, Matt. Um, obviously, as a head of coaching, you're you're looking like similar to, to Mike, looking at CVs and hiring staff, things like that. But um, what advice would you give a coach? I, I, when I wrote this question, I, I almost put a young coach looking to pursue a career in, in coaching world. But this could be any coach because I know there's a lot of a lot of um, uh people out coaches out there have been coaching for many years and, and are not as fortunate as us to work full-time in the game yet but still have that aspiration so what advice would you give someone looking to get into professional coaching or full-time coaching roles is there a specific area you'd yeah. ask them to focus on or, or what is it i actually think I, I know you sent me the questions i was thinking about it the other day and um my answer was actually going to be to do more. So to say, say yes to more things. And I think the more things that you do, the more experiences you, you uh, collect and, and the greater sort of uh, depth you have as a person and as a coach. But I was actually doing some cleaning, up, cleaning out last night of, uh, of one of our sort of filing cabinets. And I came across a plan that I'd done. It was like, uh, uh, I'd done like a five-year plan about working back from where I wanted to get to. And we sort of touched on this right at the start. And I actually think that's, it's a real good way of doing things. If if there's something that you really want, I think you have to work back from the end point. So what is it that you want or, or who is it that you want to be and, and what do you need, you know, what skills or what um, network or what level of credibility do you need to be that person and and then work back until you can get a process. How, you know, what, what do you need to do to, to be able to get that qualification? If the A licence is, you know, the the ticket to let you apply for some full-time roles in an academy. Well, what do you need to do to, to get the A license? How do you get on to the A license? What sort of, um, what sort of background, what sort of team do you need to be coaching with? What sort of experience you need to have to have a successful application for the A license? And I think if, if you understand where you want to get to, you can work back to workable processes and then you can be really in control of it. So, um, that would be my advice would be to, to have a real thought about what it is that you want and, and work back from there until you get a process that you can action daily as well. You don't need to, yeah. it's not something you need to be doing once a month. It's what can I do today to, to help me take one step closer to where it is that I want to get to. 
Yeah, I like that. I'd also add to that things that are in your control. Yes, um, but then, but but there'll be things that are out of your control. And listening to all your journeys, and I think especially Chris said it, um, things come up and go. Oh, yeah, that, that's I'll have a little go at that, or I'll follow this, or and that that route might change on the way. And looking at all of you guys, it's to get where you are took a long time so being patient i suppose on that is also important yeah definitely and i I think i think even though we've got three similar journeys that they are different in many ways and i think that's the the key is is if you have if you have your end point in mind you can find different ways of getting there whereas if you don't really know where you're going you know i I don't know how you're going to find that for yourself so i think just being just being clear on what it is that, that you want to to get to or, or, or be, then you can sort of work out different routes to get there. Yeah, I love that. What about yourself, Chris? What what advice would you give someone looking to, to get into professional coaching or, or professional football? Very similar. And along the be flexible and be adaptable and sort of take opportunities when they, they come your way. Whether you think, oh, this might not benefit me or it will benefit me, I think it might have an effect later down the line. Because along with my journey, you never know quite where it's going to take you. Um, so you know, when opportunities do come up don't be afraid to ask people if you're ever on courses and somebody that might be at a club or have links to a club can you go and watch can you go and watch academy sessions some clubs are open to you coming to view and, and just taking notes it'll benefit you seeing other coaches work and, and getting around people that will help develop you or help find your ways to get to where you want to be but like I say having that long term that long term plan of this is where I want to be or an idea of where I want to be and having a, a potential route to get there will help you sort of develop and, and follow that journey, hopefully, uh, to where you'd like to be. But don't, yeah, discount, like don't discount things on the way. Yeah, I like that. Be adaptable and take yeah. opportunities. I written down. love that. Scott, anything different to that or, or is it similar? I, I'm, as I'm listening now, I totally agree with, with all the, the comments that have been said there. You know, the one thing I probably took... From, from my development was I was prepared to go and volunteer. I was prepared to go and graft and do the hard yards. You know, where any opportunity I had to coach, I'd go and do. Any opportunity I'd have to go and sort of learn from other people, I'd go and do. Any opportunities that, you know, if there was any work, I'd just throw myself into it. You know, I remember mean, when I first started off, you know, back doing the community stuff, I would, I'd throw myself into any sort of opportunity to go and coach. Um, you know, certainly for for those those are people that want to sort of go into academy full time. You know, you, I think the, the the danger you've got today is everybody's such in a rush to try and get to where they want to get to. They also they miss the process a little bit. You know, you've got to almost fall in love with the process of of learning to coach and being a coach rather than almost having a goal of where you want to get to straight away and and almost getting frustrated if you're not there in two years or three years. You know, I think you've got to have a goal in terms of what you want to what you want to get to and where you want to get to you know if you've got aspirations to be a first team manager you know, there's still a process to get to that that sort of position um, you know if it's first team coach it's still a process um, but you've got to be prepared to almost do the do the hard work and and learn and you know like Chris said there you know take take things from the coaches you know, some of the best coaches are the, the best thieves in terms of, of learning from each other you know I've, I've took so much from so many different different coaches along the 22 years that it's almost shaped me to the coach that, that I wanted to be so it's having a direction of where you want to go really yeah yeah and and sticking with you there Scotty um, 
how a lot of people or you hear it often about it's it's who you know that's often an easy excuse or or a reason people give for either getting or not getting roles in in the game but how important is is knowing people or or having relationships how important is that to to further in your career uh, it's, it's it's all about relationships you know it's it's the same with your players it's, if you want, if you want to get on as a coach you've got a relationship with your players if you want to get on you know in any sort of walk of life it's about networking and building relationships with people because you never know where that relationship might take take you or, or where it might take you in a certain role you know I think again over the, over the 22 years that I've been involved in, in football and, and working in sport you know I think most of the roles that sort of came up really were through meeting someone either on a course or or through through the football sort of network or you know and, and even some of the connections that I made you know which if you, if you trace back to sort of five years ago when I did the ECAS course you know I made connections with people at Derby County that effectively five years on that that sort of led to me get, getting the role as the head of coach at Derby you know found a met say Darren Wassell and, and, and Justin Walker you know on the ECAS course you know when I was doing that back in 2013 you know I wouldn't have built those relationships which effectively you know over the last sort of year led to me getting a getting a job at Derby County so yeah so Can I, would, I, would it be would I be right in thinking though that that only opens the door doesn't it it's then what you're capable of and, and your level of experience and quality of what you deliver that's the real that's the real sort of deciding factor, isn't it? You're not. It's rare that you're just going to get a, a job because you know someone. You then have to be able to deliver, but it might open the door. But like you said, you've got. It's took you 21 years to to build up the the qualities where where yeah, you know, actually he, he's he's great. He's the right person for the job. It's not just oh, we like him. He's our mate. Get him in. No, it doesn't work. Like you know, the talk about character counts, doesn't it? You know, in terms of your character. You know, and the way people perceive you, you know, that that almost opens the opportunity for, for people to sort of almost look at you and go, would you be the right fit? You know, I mean, the, the club I've gone into at Derby, you know, they're, 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 they're a fantastic club in terms of the, the academy staff there. They've, they've been there like, similar to what we had at West Brom, they've, you know, the staff that have been there like nearly 10 years. You know, there's some really, really good experienced staff there. But they've almost got their own sort of um, group that they've, They've sort of developed as a family, you know. And you, as a as a person going into that new environment, you have to, you know the, you have to be the right fit. So it was similar at West Brom, really, in terms of you know when we when Mark Harrison used to recruit staff, you know it was all about the right people. You know they used to talk about having the right programs and the right players. You know, but it was it was about having the right the right people that fitted within within the club really in order to take it forward. So ca- character is massive. You know the CV that you develop and. The experiences that you develop all all sort of cancel that. But it's, it's whether you you're the right person to fit into that environment. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Chris, your your role. Um, what are the key characteristics required for that role, and and what makes you effective at it as head of goalkeeping coaching, nice to sixteens. Uh, Touching similar sort of more, saying relationships. So within the the goalkeeping. Um, sessions there's, there's smaller groups I might have one I might have two I could have um, eight, nine, ten so a bit like I said earlier about being, being adaptable but your relationships with the players you know if you, you build those bonds where they know the line you know where the line is but you have that friendly relationship to develop to help them um, I think that's probably the key one as, as a goalkeeping coach but then also 
with the staff to be able to be flexible. So obviously working with Mike and Mike might say, well, I need 20 minutes today or I need 40 minutes today before the goalkeepers are in. Okay, no problem. You, you're working from and, and working around people, but making sure that you get what you need out of the session as well. So it's also been able to go back to people and having that relationship with people and say, oh, today, Mike, I need that 40 minutes because of whatever the reason is. So justifying, knowing what, what you want from it, but relationships with people to get what you want or become to a rationale of what's best for both, but being being flexible as well. And sort of just to touch on what Mike said earlier, it's, um, I forgot what I'm saying now. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, it's talking about sort of like, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. My bad. Yeah, no worries, mate. So what, what, about, <laughs> what about the um, the head of coaching role, staying with you, Matt? What what are the key characteristics for that bit and, and what, what allows you to be effective at that role? It's no different, mate. I've got to be honest. I think it's the same. I think it's about relationships. I think it's about um, your ability to communicate effectively with, with clarity, um, with empathy, with some understanding and some flexibility. Um, and with honesty, I, I just think it's it comes down to relationships. I think it's, um, you know, I, I, listen, I, th- I think there's, you've got to be able to you've got to be able to do the other parts of it. So, you know, you, you have to do the coaching, you've got to be able to, to deliver, you've got to be able to plan, you've got to be able to influence. But, but for me, I think the relationships is the, is the most important part of that. You know, I think, I think you have to be able to, uh, and it's 360 as well. It's up, it's colleagues around you. It's, it's people that maybe you line manage, uh, players, parents, agents. Um, I think it's, it's, it's all about relationships. If you can, if you can manage the relationships, I think you've got a better chance then of, of being effective with, with, with the work that you're doing. I think just just going back to to what what Mike said before, um, there's a the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a really good book, and it, it links into everything that we've been talking about around sort of planning to, to get somewhere. But the book is basically about how you can make um, some how things become inevitable. So if you build up enough momentum, um, you know something will become inevitable, and that talked about loose connections. And it talks about basically about having uh, a good network allows opportunities to come up. And the more loose connections you have, the more opportunities that you, you will get. But like Mike said as well, it, it's then being able to deliver when those opportunities come. So it, the network isn't isn't everything. It's just a part of it. And that's the same with, with my answer to this question is the relationships is, is just a part of it. I think it's probably one of the most important parts, but it is just a part. And you have to you have to sort of manage all parts of it um, to be able to be effective in your role, just like you need to manage everything so that when you get the opportunity through your network, you can still deliver because you've got all the other, you know, cogs in that machine ready to, to go as well. Yeah, brilliant. Mike, anything different to that around the head of coaching role? What allows you to be effective, especially as you've only just gone into a new club? What, what did you place a bit of emphasis on in your first sort of year being there? Um, well, the first thing was, was similar to what Matt was saying there, was, was actually getting to know the staff and, and building relationships. Um, I think probably one of the one, one areas for myself when I went into the role, it's what I thought I could bring to the role would be, you know, understanding coaches at various different levels, you know, from PDP all the way down to foundation level. You know, having worked across all those sort of phases, you, you have a real sort of understanding of the pressures and challenges that, that they might go through at various different stages of the programme. You know, even being able to support the leads 
you know, in, in the different phases in terms of how they, they manage the, the program and things like that. So I think I, I sort of looked at it as how can I help all the different staff, you know, that, you know, there's nearly 30 odd staff that across part time, full time that, that have to sort of almost try and try and affect and, and support and get round. You know, having a bit of emotional intelligence to these situations and who might need that support, but also who might just need to be left alone because they're actually just getting on with it. Um, so it's having a little bit of an understanding of that. Um, certainly, it's one of the, one of the areas that, that I've had to sort of really work hard on. Certainly, in the first six months was prepare for the audit, you know, and, and, and making sure that all the processes that are already were already in place were sort of working towards, you know, making sure that. We, we, we got through that that category one audit process um, as well as on top of that there was there was there was work that we've been doing in terms of aligning the first team all the way through the academy which has been a really really enjoyable process um, and a great learning opportunity you know certainly learning from the likes of people like uh, Philip Cocker and, and and you know the other staff that work at 23's level like Pat Lyons and Craig Short all the way down to Justin um, and Adam Thornley that 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 operate all the way down to Richard Astle. You know, it's, it's trying to align all those different phases um, to, to what the first team manager wants. You know, what the club wants. So th- there's been a lot of um, a lot of work that's probably gone on the last eight eight months, really, in terms of that. But biggest thing probably for me is, is having the enthusiasm to want to sort of help people and get people better, really, and share experiences. Yeah, I think I, I think that's something that all three of you share. You, you can you can certainly certainly see that and, and hear that when we when we talk about your roles. But what is there anything then, Mike? At the moment, are you working on anything currently to help improve your performance in your role? Um, well, the, the, the first thing when I first went in there was was obviously to try and create a CCF and development action plan that that worked for the coaches. You know, that, that was the first real real key thing and then sort of live that. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't want it just to be a sort of a tick box that people just do for the sake of doing. It was almost trying to create something where the, the, the coaches have real ownership of it, but it's not too sort of taxing or demanding where it becomes the, the be end and end all of, of what coach development is all about. So it's almost trying to give them those experiences and supporting them through that. Um, obviously, some of the areas that I'm going to sort of do at the moment within the role is, is, is obviously trying to work towards um, aligning what the first team want all the way through to the academy. So there's, there's quite a few little projects at the moment that are obviously giving me a real good learning opportunity, um, which I'm embracing really. Good stuff. How about you, Chris? Is there anything you're working on to help improve your performance in your role when we eventually go back? Yeah, so obviously trying to use the time at the minute uh, while we're away. So looking at the programme, looking at the way we work, does it meet with the 18s and 23s? Does it meet what the first team want? Because ultimately that's our, that's our aim to push people all the way through the system. Uh, but then also little things like separate projects. So um, analysis working for goalkeepers, statist- statistical data of the goalkeepers. Uh, does it show uh, where they're strong? Does it show where they need to improve? And then adapting training based on that. So rather than it being a session where everyone has to fit into it, can we make a session where there's an actual need where we find a, a weakness or an area that's going really well that we can make into a super strength? So I'm, I've developed an analyst tool where we put all their data in from games and it will show areas where they've done really well, where their percentage scores are high, but then other areas where they haven't, it might be that they constantly play play out from the back to their right-hand side. 
or do we need to develop that left-hand side or is it a team issue is there something else that it highlights areas to look deeper into uh, but I think you're constantly looking at ways to try and improve ways to develop the the department um, but also work with the, the part-time staff and, and help them uh, to get to where they want to be and get them on their journey and point them in the right direction and give them the experiences that they need as well yeah, I like that. What about yourself, Matt? Anything that you're doing, maybe specifically for, for you, how, how you operate as a as an individual in your role? Are you working on anything now to, to develop yourself? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got a bit of time on me at the moment, so try and try and use it as, as best I can. So, um, on personal level, I'm, I'm trying to do trying to do a few things to keep me engaged and keep me interested so there was um, a couple of stuff on open university they're doing a lot of free courses that's worth checking out while you're off at the moment um but then with regards to the role we're we're doing like a, a big sort of overhaul really of our um documents to to make them more effective to, as in understandable with the with the players and the parents and the and the staff um so we're turning a lot of when uh, came into the club a lot of the documents were obviously to, to meet the each of a p when it came in loads of documents were produced and i think since i've started my role has basically been to try and strip away all those documents to try and streamline and reduce and make them more efficient rather than having reams and reams of writing we're getting towards um, real clear concise information and we're trying to match up uh, imagery to, with that with that um, clarity of, of message as well. So uh, a lot of the work that we're doing at the moment is is around the curriculum and, and just providing uh, resources for players and staff so that they can do their job as well as they can. So going through a lot of first team footage at the moment, trying to look at you know what. So if if we talk about a defender locking in, what does that look like for the first team? When does it happen? And, and can we have some images to provide with that with some detail behind it? So that's what we're sort of using our, our time off at the moment or, or time at home at the moment is around trying to make our our documents more efficient, more effective and, and have a bit more clarity around it. Great stuff. So last question, I'm conscious of time. <clears throat> I'm just going to do one more before we go into our quick fire round. We'll start with you, Scotty. Um, what has been the highlight of your career to date? Um, the biggest highlight really seen seen a lot of the players that you know myself and a lot of a lot of staff that have had the opportunity to work with with them um, uh, seen them develop you know across different different age groups you know seen seen the player journey from sort of nine all the way up to you know, first team is, is a real highlight really for any coach. Um, so that's probably been one of the biggest ones, you know, certainly at West Brom and you know, even seeing players that died with this season that, you know, knowing they've had a real long 10-year journey and then seeing them play in the first team, it's a, it's a real achievement for all the staff really and so that's a highlight. Um, in terms of other areas, I suppose it's it's having the opportunities to work with some really, really good age groups and, and seeing them, you know, have some really successful cup runs and, and things like that and, and be part of tournaments at different age groups at 12, 16. So you know, there's a lot of experience that you take as highlights. Um, and then obviously on top of that, you know, I know we spoke about qualifications, but any sort of achievements that you do get along the way in terms of qualifications are always a highlight. So a mixture yeah, Brilliant. Great stuff. What about you, Chris? Is there a specific highlight that, that springs to mind for, for your career? I won't say anything specific. It's similar to Mike that watching the players, 
that's what you do it for. That's why you come to work every day to to develop those players and to see them make their debut or to be playing uh, professional football or to get through the system and be part of that first team squad. I think that's that gives you that fulfilment of okay, I'm, I'm doing a good job and I'm, I'm helping people. Um, and that's what it's about in terms of can I produce the next goalkeeper? Can I put another one in the first team? Or if it's not the first team, get them into a first team somewhere. Um, and then the obviously the tournaments we've been to, the you know we've got to finals and things like that. They're always they're always nice. They put like a bit of the the cherry on top if you like. But the end goal is first team and around that first team environment. No, great stuff. What about you, Grads? And, and you're not allowed yes. to say the the goal you scored in the staff <laughs> tournament. <laughs> it's no, it's the same. It's the same. It's players, isn't it? It's you know getting to see see players uh, develop is is brilliant. So whether that's you know there's a highlight in my head about one of our lads making a first team debut that's amazing but then there's also like you know at the other end even like if for example we've got a new uh, trial process in place and we get a, an email from a trialist who wasn't successful in signing for the club but the but the email was so positive and you know really thankful of their opportunity and had a really nice time so it, i think it, it, all the all the highlights come around players and they just you know, it depends on what it is, but whether it's making a first team, whether it's, you know, not getting a pro, but getting a, a scholarship out in America and they're enjoying their life out in America. There's, there's just loads of little highlights, but they all centre around around the players, really, and, and, and watching them develop from whatever age you started at and, and seeing them grow, you know. Uh, not long ago, I bumped into a player that we had. Uh, he must be t- 22 now, so I've not seen him probably three or four years. Um, just brilliant even just sitting and, and talking to him and seeing what, what it, where his life's taking him and what he's doing so all the highlights really around the players and, and like Chris said that's that's probably why we, we go into work every day yeah no you can you can certainly tell that there is a, a genuine care that comes across in, in all three of you when you talk about your work so let's um, let's wrap this up I know you've done this before Matt so if you want to chuck in a few answers and try and redeem yourself you're welcome to no no um, I don't <laughs> so we'll, we'll start with Scotty and go to Chris um, quick fire so uh, I'll ask you a quick question and then uh, whichever <clears throat> whichever player or, or person comes to mind so uh, Scotty in your opinion who is the best manager of all time best manager of all time um, that'd be Sir Alex Ferguson yeah what was it about him um, well he, he had to almost build a whole different new sort of team over over the period of time that he was probably in charge of Man, Man United really um, won a lot of trophies you know certainly adapted his his, his sort of management style as, as, he, as he went through the years um, and he's had to manage some real real big players um, so I'd, I'd say Alex Ferguson yeah what about you Chris a tough one. We had, we had a discussion about this the other day, and it, we came to a, a bit of a, a conclusion around Arsene Wenger about how he how he changed football from when he first came in, how he changed the style of Arsenal and the way they play, but also other teams, you know, from also developing young players and bringing them into the into the game and not being afraid to use them, albeit sometimes it didn't go well. Um, but yeah, Arsene Wenger. That's a not a bad did, show. Did Lee, did Lee pay you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Lee. Um, Scotty, then, who would be the best Premier League player of all time, in your opinion? Oh, that is a that is a question. That is Premier League player of all time. Um, 
I would go Wayne Rooney. Yeah, and why? Is that the Derby connection or you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Wayne Rooney, he's, he's scored a lot of goals for England. Um, he's, he's, you know, certainly been a massive part of the Premier League. Yeah. From the young age, you know, when he first came onto the scene um, as a young boy. And he's uh, he's contributed a lot to to a lot of success with, with Man United and, and he's brought a lot to the Premier League, I think, as a player. What 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 impact we just what impact has he had at, at Derby? Is it is it is he changed things or is he looking to go into obviously doing sort of a coaching role as well? Is, has he changed anything there or is he is he just um still as professional as always and cracking on with his playing? He's um he's very professional. Um, I remember the first sort of um, first couple of weeks where I, where where he was in. You know, you, you could t- you could tell why he's operated at the level he's operated at. He'd be out, he'd be the last out, you know, working on free kicks and you know just doing extra work, which obviously all the other players would be looking and seeing. And you know, it was almost looking at that going, well, we've got to be doing this. Um, yeah. He's a very very intelligent intelligent person in terms of his football knowledge and. And leadership qualities, you know, he's had a massive influence, I think, on on, on the dressing room. You can see that because since he came in, you know, the, the results massively picked up, didn't they? So yeah, he's, yeah. He's been he's been breath of fresh air for the, for the club. Oh, brilliant! Great opportunity for for the young lads to to be around someone like that. Um, Chris, go on. I'm going to curveball a little bit. Best Premier League goalkeeper of all time. I'm glad you said that, Max. I was struggling for an outfielder. <laughs> I can't think of any. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd go Peter Schmeichel. Um, yeah. Growing up in that so that era when I was eight, nine, ten, and in playing for Man United and <laughs> the success he had, but also the type of goalkeeper he was, that loud, commanding, great shot stopper. Maybe distribution compared to some of the others now, not as good, but I think he had that presence on the pitch that you everyone looked for as a goalkeeper. Um, and you'd be sort of happy to if you were defending playing in front of him that you knew what was there was a steady ship behind you. Yeah, yeah. That's he he would he would that. win a match as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. Which, which you can't, you know, like obviously you'd think when you say match winning, you'd think of a striker, but Schmeichel definitely had like a match winning moment in him. Often, you know, incredible keeper. Yeah, um, Scotty. Then is uh, best Premier League team of all times. Was there a specific team from a season or an era which? which you admire or think was probably the, the best of all time best team yeah of all time okay uh, you want me to name no oh, sorry so uh, in a, a specific so was it the man, a lot of people have said 99 United team that won the treble they're obviously wrong it was the Arsenal Invincibles but I'm just asking for your opinion <laughs> on that <laughs> uh, I, I think I think if you if you are actually looking at it I would I would say the Man United team of 1999 to win the treble in the way they did and the side they actually had I'd probably say that that was probably the uh, the most successful Premier League yes. side it is hard to argue what about that Chris do you agree uh, Tottenham every year mate no I'm joking <laughs> um, yeah the 1999 I was, I was nine at the time show me age a little bit um, but yeah that probably had the most influence on me and sort of growing up with that era of how successful they were they probably were the best team for me yeah um, okay last one then um Scotty, Chris, can you name your all-time England eleven? Do you want to go first? Go on, Scotty. Now go on, mate. Go first. Okay. Uh, I'd go David Seaman, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Tony Adams, 
Ashley Cole. Uh, I'd then go David Beckham, Steven Gerrard, Paul Gascoigne. And then I would go Alan Shearer, Paul Scholes, Wayne Rooney. It's not a bad team, that. Shearer, Scholes. I'm just writing this down so I can compare it to Matt's. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. Go on, Chris. What would yours be, Chris? It wouldn't be too dissimilar to that, I don't think. Um, I'd go Seaman, Ashley Cole. How far back England-wise we going? Can we go back as far as we want? Yeah, if, if you can remember a longer time ago, mate, go for it. <laughs> um, I'd go Adams, Ferdinand. Oh, I'm going to put Trent Alexander-Arnold in there at right back over Gary Neville. Okay. Uh, Beckham. Gerard. I didn't really see much of Gascoigne, so I'm going to go Skulls. And then the left hand side one's troubling me. I'd, go, I'd have to go like a, a Lampard on the left with a, a Rooney and Shearer up front. Two two decent teams there. We'll, we'll have to put that one to the vote. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Listen, lads, I'm really, really grateful of your time. Um, just want to want to say thanks for for giving up your morning to to chat. I know it's we could go on for a long time, but I appreciate you've got a lot of other things to do. So, um, again, thank you very much. I hope you're hope you're staying safe and well and <clears throat> doing the best we can in this situation. I, I do really appreciate, like I say, giving up your time from family and, and work and stuff like that. So, um, thank you very much. I'm sure you'll agree that was another insightful chat so a massive thank you to Mike Chris and Matt for their time Um, please go and subscribe to the podcast give it a five star review share it in any way you can it's much appreciated Um, see you all in the next episode stay safe and take care